11 days ago was my daughter's third birthday. So last weekend, we were on a mission. One final birthday gift, a new bike. She upgraded from the very hard-to-pedal red plastic little flyer trike to a legit 12-inch bicycle. And so it came in a box. We had to take that box home, and I had to put it together piece by piece. And as I did so, she admired the really pretty purple paint job and the, the seat that was decorated with the pink and the aqua blue colors. And of course, it's a girl's bike, so there's streamers off the handlebars, right? And she, she was admiring it all, and finally, Dad turned the last nut with the wrench and her eyes looked up, they met mine, and she said, Now what, Daddy? No, she knew that she wanted to ride the bike, but how? What, what was the next step to move forward? Now what? And maybe that's a question that you've been asking as we've gone through this worship series over the last several weeks we talked about this god-lived life and especially today as we focus on how this god-lived life not only is it a life of service a life of hospitality but it is also a life of generosity that question becomes important now what there's a question that was asked in this story that Jesus once told. And the character who asked it, he asked it because his situation had drastically changed. And he had a choice. He could live for the now or he could live for the new. Jesus' story begins this way. First of all, Luke tells us that Jesus told his disciples. So this is something that Jesus wants us as his followers to learn from. He said there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and he asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. This man had responsibilities. He was his master's manager. Uh, another term that's used for that is steward. And so as manager, as steward of his master's household, he was to use all of his master's possessions, his resources, his money, he was to put it to use for the good of his master. And this is where Jesus wants you and I to stand in this story. He wants us to stand with this manager. Because the Bible says that you also are a steward. You also are a manager of God's remarkable and incredible gifts. And so you have much to manage your time, your abilities, the resources at your disposal, yes, even your money, all of that has been given to you by God for you to use for yourself, for your enjoyment, but always to serve God. 
And one day, too, because this life is limited, one day, too, you will be called to give an account for your management. And so doesn't that lead us to ask, now what? What shall I do with the resources that God has given to me and with the will and the purposes of our God in mind? In Jesus' story, the manager's time was limited too. And so that's why he said, what shall I do? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. But I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. When this manager realized that his time was limited, he made a plan. He took action. He recognized with his limited time, he needed to use those resources that were at his disposal. And so he didn't live for the current situation, what was right in front of him, but the new. And as Jesus provides some of the details of what this manager did, he doesn't want you to focus there. He wants you to focus on the evaluation of this man's actions. Because we find out that the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. And then Jesus says, For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. You see, Jesus doesn't want you to emulate this man's dishonesty, his selfishness, the fact that that he stole from his master. That's not what Jesus wants you to emulate, but what Jesus wants you to emulate is his shrewdness. That he was shrewd. That's an interesting word, right? I don't know that I would ever use that in everyday conversation, talking with somebody, that I would say shrewd. So why does Jesus? Well, shrewd means wise, prudent. It, makes, it means making an acute, well-thought-out plan with how you're going to use the resources at your disposal. And that's what this man did. He used the resources he had in the limited amount of time that he had them to reach his goal. And that's what Jesus wants you to emulate. Because the goal that you have is far more important. You have an eternally important goal. And so Jesus again says, I tell you, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. You have an eternal purpose and an eternal goal with all that you have. And your situation has changed radically, drastically, but positively. Your situation has changed positively so that you can focus on the new. You don't have to live life for right now, what's right in front of you, but the new that Jesus has made you to be. 
the new that can be, that you know will be the gift of eternity. You have true riches. You have what is highly valued by God. This God-lived life. And that is all because of Jesus. When Jesus came to this earth, he had a very limited time. But he used that time and he used the resources at his disposal. He used them all for one important purpose. You. He prioritized your eternity. He committed himself to Jerusalem, to betrayal, to beating, suffering, death, even death on a cross, so that you could have a new life. And what Jesus has done provides this new God-lived life, this life of service, hospitality, and generosity, shrewd, wise generosity. And so when you consider your finances, ask yourself, am I living for right now? Or am I living for the new? Ask yourself, what now? Now that I know that my entire situation, my whole life, my entire future has been positively changed by Jesus. Now what? On the heels of this story, Jesus demonstrated why that question is so important. He said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And then a couple sentences later, he said, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so Jesus is telling you that every single decision you make with your money. Not just your offerings that you give in support of gospel work, but every single decision you make, every single financial decision, the house for which you sign the mortgage, the car that you buy, the tuition you're willing to pay, you name it, every single decision you make with your money is a decision that you either choose to make as a slave to money or as a servant of God. Because this incredibly good and gracious gift that God gives to us in money and the resources that we have, it can become your master. But the easiest way to cut it off from having mastery over you is to give it away. To be generous with it. Money is an idol that can't stand to lose a part of your heart to godliness and contentment. And so the God-lived life is generous because it has been freed 
to be so. That's about more than offerings, but certainly not about less. You're not burdened by command, but you've been freed to live joyfully and generously, freed to manage God's gifts to his glory. And the God that you serve is merciful. He loves to see you giving away his gifts, especially the gift of the gospel. It's amazing to be able to witness God's promises with the gifts that he gives, to see those fulfilled right here on our campus, Divine Savior Church in Siena, across our campuses, all Divine Savior Churches. But that doesn't happen without many people regularly living with joyful generosity. And so thank you. Thank you for your generosity. But I don't think God's done here. I don't even think he's close to being done. There are so many opportunities before us. There there are so many people, so much more work to do, people to reach, souls to usher into the kingdom of God. And it's really exciting to think about that and what we can do together. My daughter has her bike now. But it's going to take work. And it's going to take effort. And it's going to take time for her to learn how to ride it. And it probably will mean that along the way there will be falls and there will be failures and there will be bumps and there will be bruises. And so if my daughter lived for the now, she might give up. But you know what? The other day I saw my older son riding his bike. Huge smile across his face as he felt the air brush against his cheeks. If my daughter just lived for the now and she gave up, she'd never experience that. But if she was willing to put in the work and the time and the energy, if she's willing to go through the bumps and the bruises, man, I can just picture. Huge smile on her face. Those streamers flying off the handlebars. And she's enjoying the freedom of riding her bike. This God-lived life that we've been talking about, this life of service, hospitality, and generosity It's going to take work. It's going to take effort. It's going to take time, commitment. And there probably will be some falls and some failures, some bumps and some bruises along the way. But God is just imagining you smiling as you enjoy the freedom that he gives in this life. And so let's be committed to the new. Let's be committed to this God-lived life. This life that Jesus has made for us. A life of service. A life of hospitality. A life of generosity. 
And all God's people who agreed said, Amen.